the moment that I know the treasure is successful is when one one day I went to a, an after party of a fashion week, and you know the fashion week after party is full of snobs, right? Everybody thinking they are someone else. They they are someone. The DJs playing the playlist exactly the same as Treasure. That's when I realized that Treasure is successful. Every snobs in town listening to our music playlist and having fun. Welcome to Brood in Bangkok, the podcast about the people you meet in the city that makes a hard man crumble. Hey, this is Karsten from Brood in Bangkok. Today I'm talking to Ark, and Ark is one of the most well-known party organizers in Bangkok. He, however, also has a bit of a darker side, and today he will be talking about not only the business side of things, but also the inner conflicts he's facing. But let's rewind a bit and start with his own coming out or not coming out to his own parents. I don't usually have a particular coming out period because um, my dad still don't, don't talk about it. He knows, but he don't talk about it. It's very Thai. You don't ask, don't tell, but everything is fine. It's like you just know there are some topics you don't want to discuss with your parents or they don't want to discuss with you and that's all right. Yeah, but you, you don't drop it in your, in their face. Right. Like you don't take guys home in the house. Okay. You know what I mean? Is that like an unspoken agreement or? It's kind of like that. It's kind of like consideration thing going on. Like, okay, you know, they allow you to be who you wanted to be. So just don't rub it in their face. How do you know that this is how they feel about it? If it was never really discussed? I think it's very common in most of the, the Thai family. Huh. If it's not obvious, like you want to have a sex change, they were not going to talk about it. Huh. You know, if, okay, if you're going to have a physical changing in your body, yes, you need to discuss about it because they have to see it in their face every day that, you know, their children's becoming someone else or becoming their true self. But for, for me, it, it, it's, it's just okay. I don't, I don't understand why it just, it just happened like that. I don't know. That's another subject, right? It's just like why in Asian culture, parents accepting it by without their kids has to come to come out. You started clubbing age 20. I started drinking first, basically. What age did you start drinking? Way before like 16. So in Germany, that would be a normal age. No, but it, basically 16 is illegal here. You can't go buy drinks when you were 16 years old. Basically, I just get it from somewhere else. Yeah. So that's how it started. And then going out clubbing is more like, um, it's not about drinking, basically. It's about culturing. It's about, it's about expressing and it's about seeing people. And because you form a group of friends. Okay, for gay culture, you go in there, you see an older generation, right? You see you are newcomers when you're 20 years old. People start to getting to know you and you go there more and more. And then you start forming a group of friends who you only going to see at the club, you know, and it's becoming like a social circle. Like a clique. Yeah. Until you start sleeping 
around too many people and you start creating arguments in the circle. I'm not sure it's the same at normal clubbing because if you're straight in Bangkok, you have, you can go everywhere. You go everywhere. You don't need to run into the same group of people. Or maybe you can run into the same group of people because you, li- you like hang out in a particular place. But for being gays in Bangkok, I hang out in Silom and there was very particular numbers of people who will be same face that you see all the time. In the past 10 years, nothing changed that much. You know, since the first day I went out to the club until today, especially local people, you know, they are, they're always the same. Like I, it's the same thing. It's like, a, it's like, it's like going, it's like being in high school. Every year there's newcomers coming in, you know, and you're getting older and older and older. It's like you're moving classes upper and upper and upper, you know, and then, and then one day you just get bored of it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And you graduated or something, you know, you just say, oh, I don't want to go to And that then you're anymore. all grown up and you leave that behind you. Yeah, that's right. As you know, I, I am, I'm also running a club business, but it's like a, it's a group. It's like a party group that moving around different club. Since the clubbing business becoming a business, you know, and when I go out, it's just going out, hang out with friends, truly hang out with friends. And I, don't really go out like before. Before I would go out alone. When I was 20 years old, you know, so many times I went out alone to just going to see clubbing friends in the club and then go home or go home with someone else. And then after that, it's done. You, you know, you know, you're separate. You, you end up separate ways at the end of the night. And then you're going back there again. Mm. Can you tell me more about that clubbing business that you're running? Yeah, it's called Treasure Bangkok. And um, we move around each month to many different places. Usually before we did it once a month in many different clubs around town. And we throw like a theme party playing pop music. And now most of the time is happening in a, in a studio. So because the crowd is getting bigger and bigger, it starts from like 50 people in a small little club. Now it's like a thousand and we have to rent a venue. So now it's becoming more professional in the sense of like, because we have more people to take care of. Now we have to have securities. Now we have to have everything, make them feel good about going out. That first party where you had 50 people, how long ago was that? That was by, by the time I was 20 years old. I started act, actually when I was 20 years old in 2007. And nine years later, you have a thousand people coming to your events. Yeah. And you... You, you yourself started that when you were like passionate about it. That was your passion, right? Clubbing. Yeah, that's, that's what I say. Like we, we kind of creating a culture. You know, I think clubbing is a culture. Every generation has their own memories about clubbing. They have their own memories about their own, their, their music, their, their, the way that they dress, the way that people behave. You know, and my generation as well, you know. Now today is not my generation anymore. It's almost 10 years. My generation is gone. How do you feel? I mean, you're organizing parties and that didn't you kind of innerly move on? Isn't that, do you maybe feel like you lost the connection to that? It's not really your thing anymore? Well, you have to separate. Look, because now today when it's becoming a job, you know, you're managing people. So you actually behind it. 
you see people having fun, but you don't go out and dance with them. You behind looking at them and make sure that they are having a good time. Do you sometimes miss those old days when you were part of the party that you were organizing? Yeah, but but you have to accept thing one thing that people change. You know, generation change. So so the people who come into the club now today, thousands of kids who is like you know they 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 start to go out at the same age as as I was, 20 years old. They like different kind of songs that I like. They dance in a different style. They drinks in a different way. They dress in a different way. So you, when you pick the, when you pick the music, when you pick the theme, you no longer think what would I like. You think what would yeah, they like. We, we, we think yeah. We 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 basically thinking about what would they like. How many people are in this team that comes up with these ideas? Uh, we have about four or five now. Uh -huh. Yeah, four or five in a different different group. We have Jojo who do playing a music. We have Bell who is a manager. We have Nui who is a production manager who dealing with lights and sounds and everything. I am like a creative director, helping them with images and or promotional pan and advertising. And then um, we have another girl, Fon, doing like uh, shows and actors and art and you know, decorations. And is that a good career move? Like, I mean, I imagine a lot of people were, you know, at some point putting a party together, but people probably didn't think this would become a business. It's just something they do for fun until they kind of move on with, your, with their lives. But for you, it turned into a real business and you maybe look back and like, oh, that was unexpected. And now I have this. It's totally, un it's totally unexpected because um, we started clubbing because we want to find our own space. You know, we want to, we want to just creating a space that we attracted same, similar people to us. And back then, almost nine years ago, we are minorities in the, in, in taste and music, in, in dressing up style, in cultural references, you know, because back then pop culture is really lame. Nine years ago, pop culture is very, very lame. Everybody turning to... Um, in Bangkok. Yeah, in Bangkok. Do you remember when this went from let's do what we want to let's run this as a business? Was this trans was this a gradual transition or was there like one moment where you're like, okay, I would not have put this event on if it hadn't been a business? Hmm. It's hard to say because we still have passion to doing it every time we do, you know, but it just it's just a different game. Because now we have to think about profits and we have to think about uh, how do we going to make thousands of people happy before we just do it. Do you know what I mean? We, before we just think, okay, we're going to throw this party. We don't really care how many people are going to come and we're just going to have fun. We're going to just dress up outrageously and, mm -hmm. and hang out with our friends. But now we have to think about, okay, if 2000 people comes, where is the fire exit? How many securities are we going to have? How are we going to make the ticket boots running smoothly? And where are they going to go out and smoking in a smoking area? Do you know what? It's different. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a different challenge. You know, so we used to have a passion to throw a party, but the music and the culture part is less percentage of it because we kind of like know what they like, but more, more challenge we put on nowadays is a management. Mm -hmm. you, you, you have a, And well, you have a job that is not being a party organizer, right? Yeah. 
but could you make a full-time living from your party organizing? Actually, we could. We could, but we have to work harder. Mm -hmm. Because now most of the team having a full-time job and they're doing this as a part-time job. So um, if you want to talk about what I do, it's, it's very strange because we start from organizing party, but then the turning point when it's becoming popular, we make videos. We could turn it to be a production house. We could make an advertising. You know, we have a fan base on YouTube, which is like a new media. You have some very amazing YouTube videos. You did some amazing video productions for your parties. I still remember quite a few of them. Um, the, was it the high school, the prom party, um, where you all dressed up as different prom characters? Yeah. Like, uh, from a uh, teen movies, right? Uh -huh, uh -huh. Yeah. So basically we, we, we just, we just make a, we just make videos related to our party that we throw, mm -hmm. you know, to promote the party itself because we, we kind of see like, oh, nowadays images, it's not good enough. Back then, 2007, we used MySpace. Mm -hmm. And we have a flyer and then people reposted the flyer to go to a party. It's really underground. And then I, remember, I still remember, I used to like print out the flyer and give it away out, outside the club door. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Now today, you don't need to print anything anymore. But then the most powerful thing now is video. Mm -hmm. you no, know? So since we turning our media to a video production, basically we're promoting a party and then is more and more other product came in. So now it's just like, it's, it, it, it's like Tratcher Party, it could be a TV channel. Mm -hmm. It could be a network or it could be a, some medias that has a fan base. Do you think it will be that one day? Yeah, it will. It is now. Mm -hmm. And we believe that clubbing is a social institution. You know, that is, that I think that is why Trasher is different from any other club that you're going out to. Because it's social institution. It's not about the place. It's, it's about more than just entertainment. Yeah. What benefit do you think it gives them aside from just having a good time out? Because of social media, you want acceptance. You want to be a part of something. Everyone wants to be a part of something. Like a tribe. Yeah, like a tribe. You know, and, and Trasher is growing bigger and it's become a tribe. You created a tribe. Yeah, basically. We created a tribe. But from what? From just kids who want to have some fun, uh -huh. you know, and then we just gravitating all the same kind of kids together. What do you think was your biggest accomplishment with Trasher? Was it the, that it turned out to be financially successful, the impact on culture it had, or maybe a personal change? What, what is like when you look back on this, on Trasher as a project, what are you the most proud of? The moment that I know that Trasher is successful is when one one day I went to a, an after party of a fashion week. And you know, the fashion week after party is full of snobs, right? Everybody thinking they are someone else. They, they are someone, someone, you know? So in that party, the DJs, which is not from Trasher, playing the playlist exactly the same as Trasher. That's when I realized that Trasher is successful every snobs in town listening to our music playlist and having fun. Isn't that kind of like craving the approval of these snobs? Like if they, because why would you care what they do? No, we don't really care what they do, but it's just a sign. It's like, we've been like underground weirdo, weirdos for uh -huh. like four years, you know? And then one day we didn't change anything. 
but our culture got picked up and it's turned around. And then it's like, okay, our music is playing in fashion show after party. What is that about? Mm-hmm. You know, nothing really happened. We just do our own thing. And then one day it just got to, a, to, to another space and, and we kind of like, okay, this is kind of cool, you know? That's when it's more, it's more, yeah. If you said it's like an approval, yeah, it is an approval, but we actually doing nothing to be approving for. We just do our own thing. And part of this clubbing culture is usually also the drinking. I mean, the two usually go together. If you go to s- countries where you can't drink, I- I've been to Iran recently and they don't club. It's like, if there's no drinking, then there is no clubbing. And um, you have a bit of a different relationship with that, right? Well, at first I thought that, um, yeah, the same. I, at first I thought, you know, you got you to gotta go out and drink and go out clubbing because, okay, basically you you pay at the door, they give you drinks to get. It's mm-hmm. a trade. Right. First trade at the door. You got drinks to get. What do you want? They're not going to sell you Coke zeros. Oh, they will. Yeah, they will if you ask for it, but then you feel like, oh, Coke Zero is like, what, 30 baht? And then you just pay an entry fee for like 200, 300 baht to go into the club. You want something like intense. Mm-hmm. So basically, I think I think clubbing and drinking is is, is, a, is, a, is, a, is the same thing. Mm-hmm. Some people might say that promoting clubbing is promoting drinking and that might, you know, have actually a negative impact on young people. That's true. I have to say that. That's true. But then why don't you just let them know it? Young kids need to know what is good for them and what is bad for them. Mm. You can't tell them not to do things and protecting them. You know, like you have to let them realize themselves what is good for them and what is bad for them. Mm. How, how is it for you? What, how do you feel about um, drinking? I haven't been drinking for three and a half years. None? None. Nothing at all? Nothing at all. Why stop? Because I got in trouble for that. You got in trouble for drinking? Like yeah. drunken disorder or? No, I just, I just, I just being crazy. Too crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I would call, you know, I recently, I, for the past three years, I stopped drinking. I, I have, I, I have a mission, you know, because um, I have found out that many things that happen in my life, you know, is a snowball effect of me being an addict. To alcohol? No, actually being an addict is not about substance. This is one thing that people are misunderstanding. People may have thought that being an addict is about you addicted to some substance, you're addicted to drugs, particular drugs, or you're addicting, you, you, or you're addicted to uh, an alcohol, which, which, which you call them, they call themselves alcoholic, which is actually not. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it has nothing to do with the substance. It has something to do with you. Mm-hmm. Because for me, as, you, as, as I told you before, the whole story about clubbing and being in socializing an institution, I found out that my whole life is based on acceptance and approval. You're newcomers, you're going to a club, you want to make friends, you got to be accepted into a group right? Mm-hmm. Creating a club culture as well is about being a part of something. Mm-hmm. And me working, my full-time job is a writer, 
or photographer or whatever is about being accepted with audience. It's, it's based on approval and accepting all the time. I feel so much pressure and pain when it got rejected. What kind of rejection are you talking about? A feeling of not being a part of something or a feeling of being rejected from a group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's caused me, that caused me to, to drink or to use drugs or to make me feel like I am an addict. I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm an addict. I, I can, I can say that, I, you know, you know, but it's not, it's not a bad thing because um, at least I know myself now what's wrong with me. I'm going to say, you know, it's not for everybody. It's mean, it doesn't mean that everybody who go out clubbing and drinking are addicts because you can see, you know, some of your friends, they could have one glass of wine, they can have two glasses of wine, they would get up in the morning and they would just like go to work normally and enjoying their life and they can just active and doing everything. But some people can't do that. Some people have two glasses of wine and they continue to other things and then they never stop. And then they can't stop and then they're missing work and they get thrown out of their job and then they just like fucked up their lives. So for you, it was the consequences of drinking that made you realize that this can't go on. It wasn't that you, like something went wrong because you drank so much. Something went wrong because I feel like I need to drink to stop something. Okay. So it's like that craving that makes you, it's not the consequences, it's the craving, it's the dependence. Yeah. Is the craving because I felt like, you know, like normally when you try to, when you go out, you try to approach a girl in a club, you know, you feel like, oh, I, I, I can't approach a girl in the club, you know, it's like, I'm too shy now. And then you have two glasses of, two glasses of something and you feel like, oh, okay, now I have a nerves to go, to go and talk to her. Is, is that different for guys? Like No, no, it's the same thing. Okay. Yeah. But, but then someone, we do that, we do that go across a girl or go across a guy and then you got rejected and you feel like, okay, I'm going to move on. Mm -hmm. But for me, if it got rejected, I would go back and drink more to, to erase it, that feelings of rejection. So you drink to no longer notice the feeling or to just numb that feeling? Yeah. Basically to just numb the negative feelings or to just magnify the positive feelings. You know, like, because... Characteristic of an addict, they can't deal with their emotion. This is a basic thing. Why people using drugs and people drinking is they can't accept their natural feelings that it happens to them. They're too sensitive. You know, they're thinking too much. They're overanalyzing things or sometimes they just can't deal with it. Little things like, You had a bad day, you know, some, some people can deal with it. Some people go back home and drink. Mm -hmm. Some people drink themselves to sleep. What helped you aside from having that realization that you don't want to have that craving? What else helped you to not drink? Um, first thing you got to know yourself, you got to accepting first. You got to accept that you have a problem. I, I get to the point that I really have a problem. It's, it's, it's my rock bottom. You know, I, I was, I was. I was out clubbing every single day. I start drinking since like about three, 3 p.m. in the afternoon until like five o'clock in the morning. And then I start over again the next day doing the same thing, drinking whatever it is, like everything that you could imagine. What was the worst? No, it just, I don't even know. I don't even know what, what, have, I, what, have, what have I been drinking because every day is a party. 
You know, when you get into that loop, every day is is a party. You and, you may get invited to some friend's house, and then you go out clubbing again, and you may get invited to another friend's house or another group of friends. Back then, I have so many friends. And was it a was it a party, or were you just you just want to be accepted? You just want to feel like I want to be fit in to some groups that I like to be. And then when you go there, and you feel like, oh, I want more. I want to be more popular. I want to be fit into this group as well. So the first day I'm going with this group, the second day I'm going with that group, and the third day I'm going, changing to another different group. And you're trying to be the most popular person in these three groups that everybody knows you. Did you succeed? No, it's not because I fucked it over. I fucked it up. I was, I was at the, um, I was uh, at the time when I, when, I hit, when I hit my rock bottom, I was two years late of my master degrees. You know, in Thailand, you study two years for master degree, and I was four. I took four, and I haven't finished my research writing because I've been going out too much. You know, I've been almost going out almost every day, and um, I keep repeated doing that. And then I almost get kicked out of school. You know, and um, and at at at, the, at a certain point, I, I I just I just becoming very aggressive. I start hitting people. I started causing dramas, Tro throwing drinks to people in the club, like punching people and hitting people. I did. I did like square in the face. You or like punch, yeah, like just, playful just, or just slap people slap. and they fell down and stuff like that. I start very, very become very aggressive because I found out because I wasn't happy. So why did you do that in that moment? Why did you? I mean, why did you do that to someone? Do you know? Because you just feel, you just feel offended. Because they're trying to tell you the truth that you have a problem. So they were like, Ark, stop drinking. No, no, it's not like that. But it's like, basically, you know, Ark, you're a dick. You know, stop doing this shit. Or, or stop behaving like this. Or stop saying things to people and make them feel bad or being mean or something like that. But I, 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 back then, I, I wasn't accepted. It. I was just like, oh, I'm the most popular guy here. How dare you talking to me like that? You know, and start causing dramas. And then, you know, kind of like a mad dog trying to like, you know, creating a territories and then, you know. And after, you, when you stopped drinking, did that mend those old fights or did that, did the people like you again or did you just not ever see any of that again? It's kind of like my exile period. I have to stop everything. I, have, I stopped going out. I stopped seeing same group of friends because you realize that they are just a group of friends you meet in the club. They never wanted to come out and having lunch with you, you know, because they care more. They, they have the same motivation. They want to be popular. Mm. Like you want to be popular. You want to fit into many groups as, as much as you can. They want the same thing. But I am, I ends up being the one who has a problem, who can't control myself, who mm. can't control my mouth, who can control my action, you know? So I'm the one who, the one to go first because I creating problems to myself. Mm. And to other people as well, because they start to think, they start to see like, oh, this guy is fucking crazy. You brought that up when you were saying that you you had this issue of wanting to be accepted, wanting to fit in. And now as a photographer and as a writer, you have that same urge. You want your work to be accepted by the audience. Isn't that, isn't there some similarity? Isn't that also causing that same kind of pressure? Yeah, but now today you're dealing with it. I am dealing with it. 
I'm dealing with that feelings. Two days ago, I was crying because of my film didn't get accepted to a film festival. Mm. You know, because I was just like working hard to put this together, and I was like, oh, you know, I was I felt tired. I used my bonus saving to creating this, and then at the end, it was like, oh, this self pityness thing going on. And it's like, oh, why did this shit happen to me? I'm not good enough. Blah, blah you know. In the past, that would have been a moment where you drank. Yeah, in the past, I was just like, oh fuck, I feel like shit. I just need to be screwed over by, you know, drinks and just party and just forget about this shit. Mm-hmm. But now today I can't. But now today when I can't, I have to learn how to deal with it. The way to deal with it is like, it's like it's like it's like a psychological thing. It's like it's like you know like analyzing thing, but not in not too analyzing. Mm-hmm. Basically, from what I know, from what I learned, you know, in the past three years is every problem that happened in life will have will be sorted out by action. None of the problems will be solved by mourning. Mourning about it every fucking day is not going to help. Every solution is an action. The way to get to the action is actually thinking about, okay, you have this problem. What can we do? That's how we deal with it. Mm. You know, what can we do to make it better, to make you feel better, or to move on, right? Um, and part of that moving on for you is to create movies. No, moving on is just like to focusing on a different project. Of course, the, 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 the old stuff is just not accepted. So what? Mm. Move on, writing a better stuff. Do you feel it? Tells reveals a lot about yourself. Your the photos you take, the movies yeah, you shoot. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, it, you 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 was one of one of the guy I took a photo with, and mm-hmm. and and people's looking at it. I was like, they feel some uncanniness. It's not. It's not normal. It's it's weird. It's kind of. It's kind of depressing in a sense. You know, I I I would always take photo. I I'll take photos that that make people look depressed all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think it's beautiful. And for you, is that is that a aesthetic preference, or are you expressing your own feelings through that? Yeah, I I think it's 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 my is my personality because of I because I was struggling with acceptance and struggling with like approval so much, and I kept these anxieties and depression inside me until I know it too well to interpret it into images. You know, it shows in the film. Like when I show this, um, the, the latest, my latest short film, Venus, to one of my friends, he got really freaked out. He was like, ooh. He was asking me so many questions. What was he asking? Like, is it related to you? Like 100% or something. Like he was kind of like, oh, this is really you. What made him so afraid because, or worried or excited? No, in, in a many different way. Because he he wouldn't realize that someone could be You don't, when you make a film, it's related to you. It's, it's related, when you're making art, it's related to you at some point. But somehow when people are seeing trace of, of something and then when you're creating something like that and they, they could see it beneath your skin, what do you think, how twisted in here, how twisted you are inside your, your head and how scary you are inside your head, you know? It's kind of like, for me, it's a, it's a, you know, for me, it's a therapy. I'm very sick inside my head. I need to do this. If I'm not doing this, you know, like like I like like the way the way I have done in the past. Like if I'm not doing this, I have to drink to 
to numb it, to numb these painful feelings. But what if I can't numb it now because I should to stop? I have to create. I have to express. I have to write. I have to figure it out how I'm gonna feel better. And to create is the most powerful thing for me to to feel okay. The act of creation is, in a way, a therapy for the addiction. Not only that, you know, many different things like traveling, you know, also, or caring about other people, mm. thinking about what to cook tonight. It's the it's many different level of creating. You know, you caring about other people. Basically, you're creating relationship with other people. Take your take your out of yourself. Going out traveling, you creating yourself. You're creating a relationship from inside yourself to the world and learning something new, right? Mm-hmm. So I think I think life is about creating. But what do you create? Are you creating as a service? You creating an actual piece of work, or you creating experience? That's how you're releasing your tension. That's how you're releasing your darkness, your dark cloud that bubbling in, on uh, above your head. I choose to do this, you know, because I know when I was using and drinking, I haven't been creating anything at all. Mm. It seems there is quite um, an, a dark element, not that you say where you, when you talk about you like to create feelings of depression, which seems a bit of a contrast to your to organizing parties where you try to create the exact opposite feeling in people, right? It's a therapy. You make people happy. You feel happy. You know, that is a, that's a socializing part. You know, from, from the outside, people would say like, oh yeah, he's fun. He's creating party. He makes people happy. Mm. Did stopping to drink affect your work as a party organizer? Sometimes. How so? Because um, when I go into uh, an alcohol brand that we have to work with, sometimes they, they ask us to try their products and to try their combination. I can't. I just have to say, I, I'm not going I'm, I'm not drinking. So you're like visiting the company that and wants you to promote the things and you like, and they're like, here's a trial and you're like, or how does that yeah, work? Yeah, I just can't do it. Well, I, I will, I will, I'll put out. I'll make your product look the best, but I can't try. Mm-hmm. You know, one time I remember one time I got a job at uh, I got a job to fly to England mm-hmm. to do to do a, to do one of the brand event, and it's like one of the best whiskey mm-hmm. in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like I am cursed. <laughs> you know. <laughs> It's the best opportunity traveling and doing this amazing job and going to this event. And I can't even have a drop of the best whiskey in the world. Did you go to the event though? Yes, I went to the event, but I drink water. Sometimes I felt like that. Sometimes I felt like, you know, when you have a bad day and you feel like, I just want a glass of wine. I miss the most is is a glass of wine and a cold beer at at the end of the evening. You know, but what can I do? I remember not drinking for one year. I had like a one year, no alcohol, no coffee, no sugar drinks, no soda. And I remember that. And what I distinctively remember about alcohol, why I miss drinking alcohol is because of the level of randomness it adds. I felt like if I 
don't drink. I know exactly what's going to happen on this day. I know exactly where I will go, who I will meet and when I will go home. And like, there is no unpredictability, but adding alcohol to it is a bit like throwing the dice. Anything can happen. Did you, is that something that was on the mind for you? Well, it's very true what you said, but it's also true without alcohol, you can do the same thing. But most people will not have the courage to make that happen in life. What kind of advice can you give to people who feel like they're drinking too much or who want to, who are not happy with the amount of alcohol they're consuming? You know, one thing that is a problem of humanity and makes people drinking is we think about what other people think of us too much. When you wanted to do something that you want, or when you want to make a decision of something that you think about, like basically, why can't a straight guy wearing a pink shirt without thinking that people will look at them like, oh, this is so gay. You know what I mean? You have that in your, in, in your, in your hair sometimes. Mm -hmm. You know, if you don't think about what other people are going to think, you just do. Some, some people might think that, oh, that is a lot easier to do when you're drunk. Because yeah, that's when that, you have that's it, but, but, inhibitions. But that doesn't have to be. You, you know, it's just, I think it just, it just stings in your head. Like you think of other people's criticism, criticism too much. When, you know, this is one thing I learned. When you have a fight with someone, you feel bad. You think about it. You're like, oh, I shouldn't say that to that person. Oh, what is he going to think? Oh, I, I was saying these words so badly. On the other hand, that person already move on. They don't even think about that. And when, when you came back and see the person again and you decided, okay, in the end, you tried to decide to apologize to them. They was like, what are you talking about? You know, what are you talking about? And then you would just go back to yourself and was like, why am I repeated that guilt in my head for like a week when the other person don't even think about it? And it's always happened like that because you are not the center of the universe. In na natural self of us, we, we have self-centeredness. We think that we are the center of the universe. If you're thinking about, because we, we, felt, we felt like we were going to be attacking from every thing we do. We think too much about what other people are going to think to us, think about us. That's why we can't deal with it, with little bit of things here and there, like, oh, You know, that's why all the randomness that you like not happening because we have to follow, we have to be control. We have to be thinking about what other people think. That's why alcohol helps because you forgot that you have these rules. You forgot that you have this control. You don't give a fuck that you have to do this. You don't care because you felt loosened up, you know, but why not take that Feelings, practice it every day, doing strange thing once, one thing a day, you know, or doing different thing, one thing a day. And one day you, you end up doing fun thing that you have never done before the whole day. And then you start to creating your amazing life by, you know, doing different things that you have never done. What is something you're going to do this year or next year that you haven't done yet? There's a lot of things. I'm writing a new script, you know, so basically I move on to a new, move on to a new stories. New and movie? No, it's not a movie, it's a TV show. Uh -huh. 
but it's, it's long. It's, a, it's quite long. And then another story came up and it's kind of like, okay, now I decided, okay, from um, I already made something abstract. Why not I'm doing something simple? Uh-huh. You know, so just, just a thing. Are you going to see that on television? No, it's going to be on the internet. But right. I, I need to find an investor first. Oh, I need to pull it out somehow. I need to, to, to do it. But, you know, it's, it's still in the air. I'm still rewrite it. Uh-huh. And... Of course, you know, you're traveling to different places that you don't think that you you are going to go. Like I recently came back from Tibet, you know, and actually three, three and a half years of being clean, it helps a lot of going to somewhere like Tibet. I didn't get sick at all. Mm-hmm. I feel like my health is in the best level it has ever been. You know, like every, most of the people got sick you know, at some point. Well, then let's hope you'll stay healthy and continue to create great works. Thank you very much for coming in. Do you have any words of advice, anything else you would like to share? What is advice? Uh, I don't know. I think people are different. You know, like not everybody will be losing control like me. Not everybody will have a problem with drinking, but if you do have a problem, you know, first thing is you have to accepting yourself first that you have a problem. And then when you're accepting it, you'll be willing to move on and solve the problem because most of the problem that happen and people struggling is when you're not accepting that you have, you actually have a problem. And if you don't have a problem, you can come to the next treasure party. If you have a problem, you can come to the next treasure party as well. Okay. When but is you, the next? When is the next treasure party? But you don't have to drink. Okay. You don't have to. You know. You know. It's this is one thing I actually realize as well. You drink. People sometimes people drink to stay up until dawn and have fun. Uh huh. On the other hand, when you're not drinking, you're not feeling tired. When you're not drinking, you can also stay up until dawn and partying as well. Mm-hmm. You know, because what you can have, you can have. Coke Zero, it has caffeine in it. Mm-hmm. You can you can hold on a very intelligent conversation with someone mm-hmm. and you remember what you said. Uh-huh. You know, not like when you're drinking, you don't remember anything in the morning. Hmm. You know, and you are always gonna be in control. You can drive back home, you can help your friends when they can't deal with themselves. You know, you becoming like a a party hero when you're mm. not drinking. Cool. Well, then let's hope we'll see lots of party heroes at your next event. Thank you very much for doing this interview with me today. Okay, you're welcome. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah, me too. I'm appreciated. Thank you. And that was my interview with Ark. Ark really was able to show a bit of what's going on behind the scenes with organizing parties, as well as those inner conflicts you have. If you move on from something or if you've seen also the downsides of something and you just and you're still in it so i think he really gave you an idea of what it's like to really live uh, a culture and to even create it to me as an interviewer very fascinating to see these inner conflicts that go on because you do see people and i've known arc for most of the journey that he described in this episode and to see him and compare this public image he has and the image you see on a day-to-day basis 
And to compare that with kind of a look behind the scenes of hearing what's going on inside his head, that has been really interesting for me to learn about. If you want to see those videos that Ark mentioned, those promotion videos, and they've seen, they've actually been seen by some 50,000, 70,000 people already, and that's just the promotion videos for the local party, so they're really good. Uh, you can go to broodinbangkok.com slash trasher, that's T-R-A-S-H-E-R, and you'll get redirected to the show notes for this episode, as well as a selection of the best party promotion videos these guys and girls have done, and they are outrageously awesome. So do check them out, and I hope to see you back again on the next episode of Brood in Bangkok. And that's it from Brood in Bangkok for this episode. If you like the show, please go to iTunes and leave it a five-star rating. If you would like to find out more about the show, you can go to broodinbangkok.com and the website will redirect you to more information about the podcast, show notes, and more background information about our guests and anything else you want to know about the show or me. Until next time. Mm -hmm.